Hello, it's Saturday the 21st of March um, and it's day 10 of the post-apocalypse and I'm joined, this is a joint podcast today, it's a decentered media podcast with me Rob Watson and uh, joined by uh, or joined with uh, John Prest um, who is from Seed Creativity and um, how, how are you feeling? I think I, I think I, my, my anticipation now is doing a lot of these online as a kind of a form of therapy. So how, tell us how you are. Do you know, I knew that your first question today was going to be how are you feeling? And when I was in the car on the way here, I was thinking about how I wanted to answer that. And I suppose my answer is in the last few days and, and, and today obviously included, my the way that I'm feeling is changing every few minutes. I keep going from from fear to faith to positivity to negativity to confusion to clarity. And I think that's how a lot of people are feeling at the moment. It's a kind of mixture of feelings. Um, I think confusion is, is up there. Um, but at the same time, um, I'm actually feeling quite positive. More so today, I think. I think today I started feeling a lot more positive about the situation. Um, I think I, I think in well in this situation, I, in the last few days it was a lot of fear, confusion. Obviously, I've got a young family, I've got a business, um, but today, just speaking to a few friends and, and watching TV, I can't, I'm kind of feeling I'm feeling quite good about the whole thing in a, in a strange way, um, and I think it's because I, it's almost it's starting to turn, and this sounds really strange into almost excitement a little bit it's it's kind of exciting it's different it's it's weird um so to answer the question mixture of emotions yeah how about you um yeah i mean that's really accurate as a kind of you know one minute you're up the next minute you're down and literally in the same i i i i think i've had the virus this week uh hence i've been sat at home all week um and or, or either that or it's just a standard flu uh, but the symptoms seem to be common you know the cough comes first and uh, I always get a cough this time of year anyway I just always have I kind of mm. always seem to get one so I was a few weeks ago I was reassuring people no I haven't got coronavirus I always get a cough and then it just changed slightly um, and then you get a temperature then you get headaches <coughs> excuse me and then um then you you kind of you, you feel lethargic and uh, and then you, you I was I was sleeping really well. There's no problem. It doesn't it seem to interrupt me sleep other than maybe having another long nap in the afternoon. Mm. Um, and then uh, you're kind of hot and cold at the same time. So yeah. you you know you've got a fever, but you're also cold at the same time. And I think that kind of is almost like the the, the mental way that we're feeling as well is that we have like a a kind of psychological fever. And it's both hot and cold, and you, you're not really sure uh, what to do with it or where to, uh, you know, what you know. Do you turn the heating up? Do you put extra blankets on? Well, the advice with that is with a fever, not like when I was a kid in the seventies, and everybody said sweat out. You know, if you get the flu, sweat it out. It's mm. like the worst thing you can do. You know, it's uh, take a couple of paracetamol. I'm not a medical expert, but this is kind of general you know, kind of uh, uh, housewives advice, if you like, is to yeah. is to just keep cool more than anything. But your tendency is to want to bundle yourself up and wrap up as well. But yeah. so it, it's been quite mild in that respect. But I've, I don't know whether that's just a normal flu virus going around or whether it is the coronavirus. So uh, have, you, have you have you seen anyone in terms of just being out, seeing people? Are you that's it? Lock the yeah. front door? Well, I mean, this is one of the interesting things is for an introvert, this is this is no different than any other time. I spend a lot of time sat in this room working and uh, uh, connecting with people on the, you know, kind of emails and things like that. And so, it, it, you know, it's it's kind of the fact that the coffee shop is closed. Well, when I go into a coffee shop, I tend to sit and work with a pair of headphones on anyway. I'm not a great socialiser in that way. It's not something I have to do. I don't crave for it. Um, so, a lot, uh, you know, it's for me, it's not necessarily a problem. I like my own company. Uh, mm. I know I've got friends and, and you know, it's, I'm not, I, I'm not living by myself and things like that. So it's, it's not, it's not kind of, I think people's anxiety when they're, you know, the, the pubs being closed, 
and the kind of British belligerence of closing the pubs because that's where nine times out of ten the British way of dealing with the problem is to go to the pub and have a pint and then for people who don't know what it means to be by themselves or to be with their family or to be with their children is actually going to be quite a massive problem for a lot of people because they're going to have to relate um so that you know the kind of and, and usually you know the kind of we've become a society that relates through the medium of alcohol uh, and i know it's something i uh, uh, you know kind of was challenged by you know kind of 10 years ago was just drinking too much because you come out of your 30s and into your 40s and you kind of realize that you've absorbed this culture of kind of deal with life's problems by having a beer and everybody yeah. just says go to the pub go to the pub so we'll sort it out over a pint and you're not actually dealing with the underlying problem so this is going to have so many impacts on people in so many ways mm. um that it's it's yeah you're right it's good it's both fascinating it's both an opportunity it's both you know you know, totally absorbing in terms of how do we problem solve our ways out of this. But at the same time, it's really scary. <laughs> and mm. you're kind of sitting there and you can give in to that kind of sense of panic. And am I going to be able to get to the shops and buy anything? Because every time I, you know, you go to the supermarket and, and you know, yesterday I was feeling much better. So I popped out for a walk and I popped into the supermarket, kept me distance from as many people as I could. And the fresh you know, meat and vegetables in Tesco's were, were, were there was not hardly anything there. Um, mm. And people's fear and panic has taken over. How, how have you found it where you are? Well, my, I'm, I'm, I'm doing two trips at the moment. I've got my trip to the studio here. Now, I live about 10 minutes away from my office. My office is, is um, I wouldn't say it's secluded, but it, it's literally, I can drive up to the front door of my office I can drive back and not see anyone. So I, I am still coming here. The only other trip that I'm doing in public um, is I'm still weekly going to Leicester Market. Um, I've always shopped there. Actually, I've seen you down Leicester Market. That's probably the only time I actually see you is down Leicester Market, isn't it? Yeah, um, sometimes. So I've, be, I've been going there uh, and shopping. And I, when I arrived yesterday to do my... I did it I did it yesterday, so I thought, well, I better get in there and get my food shopping early, early as possible. I was walking through Leicester City Centre and it was like a ghost town. Um, there was hardly anyone on the streets, but every single pub was open and every, nearly every single shop was open. And obviously I was walking past every single shop and there was just one or two people just sat at the counter doing nothing, twiddling the thumbs. But then I walked past Weatherspoons and Weatherspoons was busy. It was really busy, um, not super busy, but you know, there was a, I could see in the window lots of people drinking and I just walked past and I just thought... Are you doing the right thing or the or the wrong thing? I couldn't work it out, and I just thought, and it was everyone in there that I could see was over the age of sixty, and um, lots of drinking, lots of people sat round, and I just thought, that's your way of handling it. You know, you want to sit in the pub, you want to be around people, but then in the back of mind, I was thinking, you're idiots, you're idiots. You know, um, you the age that you're at, and also just sat round in pubs. Um, it well, I think in, in in part it's you know it's it has been a communications issue and a a, a wake up call to the government and maybe we'll get onto the kind of broader politics uh, of the, the situation. But the whole kind of slight um, prevarication about the message. Well, you know we want we you know it's like well you know you, you might want to keep yourself apart from each other and it's like if when we look back and we analyse the response. There will be key moments, and one would be recognised as the abandonment of the nudge theory approach, and to come in with the more authoritarian approach, seemingly authoritarian approach of just saying no, close everything, mm. um, shut it down, and th- you know the mindset that we've got in our society is such that. We don't follow those rules. We don't obey those kind of commandments. Somehow we are exceptional and different. We're British. This is the way we respond to things. We're not like they are in uh, China or Asia or in, in Europe. You know, we, we have a different level of, you know, our police don't go around beating us up uh, to make sure that we comply kind of thing. <clears throat> we do it by consent. That's the kind of myth that we tell ourselves about these things. But the alternative is 
And and I was chatting to my mum, and there's a, a friend of hers who's eighty. He's eighty six, and he goes to Tesco's once a week to get his shopping. And he he gets on with all the young ladies there, and he flirts with them, and he and he hugs them all. And she asked him, you know, you went to you went shopping yesterday. Did you did you do did you hug people? And he said, yeah, of course I am. I'm not changing that. And she tore a strip off him and said, you're being incredibly selfish. And he said, no, no, it's not going to affect you. I, I was in Korea. I, I fought in, 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 in the war, you know, that kind of thing. We had malaria. We traipsed through the jungle. And it's like, yeah, but if it's not a question of if you get affected by this. If you are taken into hospital, one, because of your age, they won't, uh, they won't try and resuscitate you. They, they'll, they'll choose uh, because if he's 86 years old, he's not going to get... Uh, it's just a practical reality, the kind of conversations we're going to have to have with people. But two, it's the resources that are being taken away from somebody who has people to support. So if you're a, a, a young parent with kids, you will get priority above a single pensioner, uh, mm. you know, that kind of thing. And it's it's the kind of... The belligerence is one thing, but actually the selfishness that comes through mm. and the denial... But it's un- it's totally understandable because hey, that's the kind that's how how do you fill the pubs up in the UK? You treat people as selfish arseholes, <laughs> mm. and you say just keep coming, and you know it's like oh, it's, and you play it like a game, and everything's everything becomes like a scratch card or a lottery, and that's where your social interaction has been structured around, and it's mm. not structured around anything else anymore. So. The, the faith groups, churches, uh, community groups have kind of largely been stripped away, certainly in, in the cities. Uh, and those kind of support, neighbourly support networks and alternative spaces and alternative approaches, you, you, people are now rapidly trying to get them all back up to speed. You know, the, the voluntary sector and the charity sector and in, in Leicester is, is, is working like mad to get basic community infrastructure back in place that we haven't had and has been stripped away for not just a decade but for maybe three or four decades we've lost it mm. and so we we're, we're showing how threadbare we are in many things and the, the kind of you know it is the kind of lack of there's a lack of education there's a lack of personal responsibility uh, there's all sorts of interrelated factors which kind of when you walk around and you look at these things you kind of go and oh don't let me soapbox about any of this. If I get preachy or anything, just just tell you know, kind of pop pop a pin in it and say, Rob, you're being pompous. But you know, it's moments like this when you kind of sit there and you go, everything has changed. What mm. was up is now down, and what was down is now up. It's all completely reversed, and we have to adapt very quickly. And yeah. and when when we come out of this, we our aim is to come out of it with as minimum uh, amount of disruption as possible. Um, and I have to say, credit where credit is due, the government's, they've not gone far enough yet. And again, we'll maybe talk about the economics of this. Uh, but the government's action to guarantee wages has just blown away 40 years of social and economic and political thinking uh, in the mm. UK. Uh, and and the, the, the Conservative Party are now practically implementing the Labour manifesto, manifesto of 2019, they're going to be nationalising things. They're subsidising wages. <laughs> you know, they'll be giving everybody free broadband before you know it, because that's the way to keep the economy going. And it's mm. like, how did that happen? <laughs> you know, what's going right. on? To go, to go back to your original point, you know, you were saying about if we go back to people that are out and about in town in pubs, and you said it was a bit like a lottery. I, I kind of see it as a Russian roulette table. And if and at the moment, you know the. Every time that people are going out and going in pubs and out and about, you're just adding another bullet to the gun. And by staying in and, and you know, hiding and, and obviously quarantining yourself and, and being on lockdown, you're just taking away the bullets. You're taking away, you're just re- reducing the chances of, one, the infection moving around and on a positive was speeding up the process of going back to normal. Now go to your second point of what normality is going to be. I don't think anyone knows. And when I, I just on another thing, I was in Loughborough just two days ago. I had to, I had to finish off my last few meetings. I did a pitch, 
to a to a client and I had my last few meetings and I had to meet a supplier and it was the only time and place I could meet them and if you walk around Loughborough town on Wednesday you wouldn't have known that anything was happening and and I'm, and, and I'm not pointing fingers at people but the average you know the, the I would say 80 maybe 90 percent of the people that were walking around were over the age of 65 the coffee shops uh, the shops the bars were all you know the, the the most highest at risk here were just walking around and I, again I don't know what you said I don't know if it's denial I don't know if it's um, stubbornness or what it is but I just looked around and just thought I don't think people are taking it seriously I don't know if the whole British um, or what would you call it you know the um, the not the stiff upper lip but you know just being stoicism stoicism you know i think that was i think that might be you know you, you know I'm, i've lived through a war or i've lived through tough times but what they what i think a lot of people don't realize that th- this has never happened before um like you know we're ne- we've never ever seen anything like this before and actually being at home hiding yourself away and just i think at the moment is just watching what's going on um taking time to observe absorb it all uh, and then make decisions about what you want, what you what you want to do. Um, one thing that I've been looking at the last few days, I'm kind of going back to my business studies um, A levels, is Haslow's hierarchy of needs. That's what I've been, I've been using as my point of reference and trying to understand where we are in that triangle. You know, if you go down to the bottom. Um, it's physical, so food, water, heating, all the things that we need. Then we move into socialising, work, career. I, I can't, I can't remember all the the, the layers. Self actualization at the at the, the top, peak, yeah. yeah. And I'm trying to figure out where we are in that because what we've been doing here is we've been carrying on with work, we've been trying to um, do certain things, but then I'm sort of speaking to my partner Natalie and thinking should we be working should we be working on that or actually should we just be focused on the bottom level just the house security and food and i'm kind of dipping between those two levels really and i'm trying to understand where i am in that um so yeah yeah what do you think's the tipping point i'm going to come back to maslow because it's a it's a contention of mine uh maslow right. uh, what what do you think the tipping point is then where people will take it seriously is it a communications <sighs> issue or is it a uh, uh, you know, because I, 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 the feeling over the w- last weekend was literally was like the clouds came over, and you know the the whatever was being communicated, and it was like this uh, telepathic mood change. Even though I was sat at home, uh, you know, I, you, you wandered out into town for a coffee at some point, and you could kind of almost sense it in people's demeanour and and some people's faces, and this mood came over, and that's when the panic buying started. You know, they, they, or the mm. reports, because I think there's a tendency sometimes for the reports of panic buying to be exceptional, and then you get these few reports, and then it feeds on, and then you get more mm. reports, and it kind of fe- it becomes a vicious cycle. And breaking that panic is part of the you know the the the, the crisis management and communications uh, responsibilities. But <clears throat> for those people who are you know at the mass denial, and there are many things in our world which people are in mass denial about climate change uh you know kind of climate crisis uh pollution congestion you know kind of inequality homelessness all of these kind of things and all of a sudden this is something which is screeching to such a halt at such a fast stop mm. uh, on on such a scale i think the, the, the one thing we can maybe take solace about is that it's not just us is that it's affected everybody pretty much almost simultaneously so pointing the finger of blame as some try to do blaming it on china or wherever it is as trump is kind of trying to stoke up fears it it kind of won't wash because everybody goes well it's just affected everybody rich or poor you know old or young uh you know whatever wherever you're from it is as you said it's like russian roulette Mm. uh, and everybody's in the game Um, i think that's the positive here is that it's affected everyone. And I think, for, uh, to be honest with you, the last two weeks, 10 days, I can't even tell you how long this has been going for. Um, the thing that's made me feel better is that we're all in it. 
you know it's it's about for me now it's about being connected it's about community and it's about we've all got to work together because i think at the beginning for me i think it started last monday so what happened was last a week last thursday so sort of 10 days ago my partner became really ill natalie she was fevering she was poorly and this was before it really started kicking off I, and we just thought oh it's just a, a cold flu and while she was ill i think it was on the monday was when then boris did his first public talk and she was ill and i remember going upstairs and saying to her and said i think you need to come downstairs and watch this and she came down and we watched it. And then it was talk about, you know, if you've got a cough or if you've got anything, you need to go into isolation for seven days. And then a few days later, it turned into 14 days. And I just thought, wow, I think you might have it. You know, we thought at that point you might have it. So what we did, we just kind of isolated ourselves. And because she was poorly, we weren't really watching the news either because we have two children and we've got a business. So we were just kind of looking after her, making sure she's all right. We self-isolated. And in that time, we were just talking to family about childcare and about how we were getting through it. As we kind of got the, the first layer sorted, health, we, we had food and everyone was okay. Then I went to the next layer of, right, business. How are we going to sort of keep the business going? So I was obviously sending emails, keeping the projects going, keeping the business going. And I think once we got the second Boris uh, 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 government talk that's when I think it really really hit home for me and I think I, I can't remember what the days were I think it was last Wednesday and then and then it all just escalated from there really I think the first feeling was just complete fear of and I, and I just felt alone at that point I just felt like it was just me it was me my business my family and I didn't think what, I didn't know what was going on with everyone else. But the more I started speaking to friends, colleagues and everyone and finding out that everyone was in the same boat, it almost helped me because I just thought, actually, I don't need to worry about my business now. I don't need to worry about a lot of things. I'm just going to go back to basics now and just make sure my family are safe. We're, we're, we've got a home, you know, we've got food, we've got water. Luckily, we have tons and tons of toilet rolls because <laughs> we accidentally ordered too much toilet roll a few about about six weeks ago so if you need toilet roll i'm your man um and um and then yeah that's when it all started happening and i think for me like i work wise i almost jumped on the bandwagon of everyone else of writing blog posts and putting videos out there how to work at home etc but then some of my clients now one of my biggest clients is an international travel company and they're an international travel company for over six well for everyone but they're majority 90 percent of their um audience or their market is over 65s so instantly they got hit another client of ours is recruitment that got hit and i just watched my clients getting hit around me and then um and then I just thought, this is bigger than work now. This is, this, you know, I don't, I'm not going to just focus on work. I'm, I'm now going to focus on community, in helping people, and just making sure everyone around me is okay. And for, for me, for the foreseeable, that's what it's all about now. And, and it, it's about conversation, like today. It's about listening and understanding what's going on and literally just taking day at a time. That's all we can do at the moment. Yeah. Um, I'm obviously keeping my business going. With, I'm at work today. I'm sending emails. I'm making sure people are okay. I'm making sure supplies are okay. Um, I'm keeping an eye on all the numbers, what's coming in, what's going out. Um, and yeah, and, and I, I think that's why today is important that I'm speaking to you because I think my work for the next few weeks is just going to be this. It's just going to be conversations, understanding the facts, not getting drowned out by the noise, uh, and staying focused and staying positive. I can't remember what the original question was, Rob. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's, I, I, you know, it, it was it was really nice to 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 listen to how that process has been structured and managed and quite methodical and not just given in to because you know it's very similar in that you know my experiences. You know, very very similar in that sense. And I think the the couple of the you know points that really was, yeah, this is one of those moments where. Um, you just have to look. You know, we, we've we've had a a, a, a political ideology um, which has emphasised kind of almost heroic individualism. 
you know, this kind of neoliberal, Aaron Rand kind of stuff of kind of the state is in the way and the community is in the way. And it's the individuals, you know, that famous Thatcher thing of there's no such thing as society. There are individuals, there are families, and then there are communities. That was the order she put it in. But mm. I, I like the phrase that Robert Kagan uses, which is that we are actually, we're individuals, not individuals. And that we are embedded in a network of communities and families and relationships and professional uh, uh, relationships and networks and things. And we're not isolated individuals. And really, this is for the first time where that reassurance where you go, hang on a minute, and think this is a lot more is going to have to change. And this is why we'll, we'll never go back to the way that we've been. Uh, is because whose fault is this? We've spent years demonising people who have been unemployed uh, or who are affected by pro- poverty and you know calling them scroungers and things like that. And um, n- now there's a kind of a fear that, well, I didn't lose... I didn't do anything to lose my job. The economy was bouncing along relatively well, not brilliantly. Inequality is, you know, kind of too 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 much of a problem. Um, but people were in work or were doing something and all of a sudden this happens and so everybody I, 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 Nick Cohen writing in the Spectator said you know in the, in in a sinking ship nobody is an atheist mm-hmm. uh, and in a in an in, in in a collapsing economy everybody is a Keynesian you know nobody is a free marketeer uh, because the free market you know that individualism isn't the answer it needs people to collaborate and to cooperate and to share. And the lesson is, you know, uh, even at this early stage, uh, you have to step back from your own, and this gets us back into Maslow, you have to step back from your needs, from Mm -hmm. your perceived individual needs, and you have to start to think about how that fits within your social network needs Mm -hmm. and your business needs and your, you know, your relationships and your families. Now, there's things that you will prioritise and that you are responsible for that are closer to home. So yourself. I always use the analogy, you know, the airline, you know, when they when they say the oxygen mask drops, put it on yourself first because you yeah. can't help anybody else if you're not sorted first. Yeah. So you have to do that. And, you know, you kind of you have to make sure that you're okay. You have to make sure that your family's okay. Then your kind of community and your neighbourhood and, you know, the extended world, that can... The, the, but there's things in place that will help and support that we have... Maybe not enough, but we have paid professionals and a government structure that is paid to do that. And when you can trust that, it takes away the anxiety and you know that you can manage the change and the shocks. The problem we've had really over the last 40 years is that that hasn't been the way that we've organised our state and our community. We've been told that shock is good. Push it away. Close it all down you know, clear out the kind of disaster capitalist stuff, shake it out, it will shake out, the, the storm comes and the and the dead wood will be blown off the tree. Mm. Well, it, it's not true, you know, what you need is you need a an educated group of horticulturalists and gardeners to look after the tree and nurture them and make sure that the, uh, you know, the, the environment that the tree is in is sustainable. Um, mm. And so when the storm does come, it's not affected in the way that it would be if it was just, you know, expected. So this this Maslow's hierarchy of needs is the point I'm trying to get to. I, I think it's actually upside down. Um, and actually, because the, the, the peak of Maslow is, is self-actualization, that yeah. you put all of these things in place. But what we've become is a kind of, you have to be a kind of hero to put all of those things in place for yourself. And I'll, I'll mix me analogies through this a little bit but the self-actualization is what enables us to have all of these things in place so Mm. until you identify that creative problem solving potential that smartness that unique identity that 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 ability to look at the world and deal with its problems as a as a as an individual and as a, a, a network of individuals or embeduals or a community, then all of the other things won't happen anyway because everybody will just be rushing off doing their own thing and looking after themselves and everything will just break down. Um, yeah. So the the other one is the uh, the hero, and the kind of heroic model is 
you know, it's it's a it's a myth. We 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 live on the myths of heroes. You know, superheroes have never been so prevalent. You know, Lord of the Rings has never been so. You know, it's incredibly popular. Harry Potter, all that kind of stuff. But the the, the hero's journey, uh, which is that stuff which is kind of uh, uh, Campbell talks about, which is the kind of the unique journey of transformation of an individual. It's the people along the way that you meet. And they're often kind of, you know, the hero never does it by themselves. They meet the helper, the wizard, the teacher. They meet the innkeeper who looks after the inn, who cleans the inn, who cooks the food. You know, they look after the, they're they're out riding on a horse. Where's the blacksmith? And there's all this network of people around which make it possible for people to have this in this journey. But they're all part of a community of providers. Mm. And we've kind of been hooked on the story of this unique individual heroically overcoming and transforming and battling and winning and all that kind of stuff and and the, and the, the the peak of this is trump you know that kind of model if you're either a winner or a loser you know you're either nasty or you're you're, you're a you know you're, you're you're a good person and you know they have this very kind of narrow view um and do, do, Go on, go yeah. on, sorry. Go on, no, 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 no. I'm, no, I was about to say, what, what, what's different at the moment, though, which is making it really confusing and, and hard, is if we were at war and we were fighting people or, or, or whatever it was, then that, I think that hero, heroism, is that right? Is that right to say it? Heroism is yeah. much easier. Um, but because the isolation thing, obviously not being able to move around and do things, the things that we want to do or we should do, we can't do. You know, like say, say helping other people, seeing, make sure everyone's okay, because we're not, we're meant to be staying out of contact with people. And I think that's what's adding a spanner in the works here. Um, you know, that it, it's becoming really, really hard to do the right thing because of the self-isolation um, and that's, I think that's why everyone's scratching their heads at the moment um, in terms of um, local communities um, by being able to help people and, and, and go out there and do things because actually by going out and doing that could be more harmful than good. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? By knocking on people's doors, making sure people are all right, sharing food, coming together as a community. Well, we I, we I can't think, come I, together that way. I, I think there's a danger that um, simple, sensible measures that people can take get your your first wave of anxiety is that you can't do anything and that you're locked out and you're literally in a prison cell cooped up in a house no you can go for a walk just don't congregate with other people mm. you know don't, you know you the, the 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 reason that the uh, uh the you, the winter flu uh cry, you know uh, challenges every year is because in winter in the northern hemisphere People are cooped up together on a regular basis. And as soon as you get to spring and people can start going out and getting out into the fresh air, then the, 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 uh, the, the, the opportunities for transmission drops. Uh, so you get you, the, 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 it's still there, it's still around, but you're not interacting with people in the same way and for the same duration. Uh, in time. So, so, the, op- the, so the, number, the, the number of opportunities to catch something lesson um it doesn't mean to say that the virus is any less uh prevalent any less capable of infecting people it still is he's just reduced the opportunity and that's why the isolation thing is really important mm. um because you as you say you're taking away the bullets you're taking away the opportunities for something to happen to so, for yeah. something to occur um but i think the major challenge for people in that is uh we are uh, a, a world which is driven uh by I've, I've talked about this before and it's kind of keep kind of exploring it really is we're a world that's focused on extroversion and we're a world that's focused on action uh we're not a world that's focused certainly not in the uk or or, or, the, or the west particularly we're not focused on inner contemplation and and solitude and reflection you know this is an opportunity for people to have an inner journey and to discover mm-hmm. something about themselves that they you know might 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 kind of creatively have not paid attention to uh, ever before or 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 at least you know maybe only in a in a, in a kind of fairly simple kind of self-help kind of way uh yeah. so you know the the opportunity for people to kind of engage with each other in more meaningful ways 
uh, and engage with each other in ways where we learn more by what you said before by listening more. Yeah, I think is I I think that's again it's it's I'm much more positive about that, but I yeah. really understand that yeah most people aren't geared up for that. No, yeah. and I think I the, am. The, the thing the thing that is helping everyone at the moment and keeping everyone together is digital technology. The fact that we can Zoom, the fact that we can FaceTime, we've got WhatsApp groups. I've, you know, I've, we've got new WhatsApp groups setting up on our phones because we're trying to keep together with people, and that is amazing. But one of the um, one of the reasons, hello, <laughs> one of the reasons why we're in this mess is because because of it, because of digital technology. And I think what we're starting to realize now that everything that was becoming important to us, everything that we kind of stood for, everything that we kind of engaged with and everything that we were doing was bullshit in terms of social media, in terms of look at how my profile looks, look how many people are looking at my photographs, look how many people look at my videos, sharing stuff. And actually it's strange at the moment that that, that whole world it means nothing now. It means absolutely nothing. And actually, the things that are important, that have always been important, are now in our in our mind's eye. The th- things that we're holding on to, the fact that we're we are contacting family members, the fact that we are talking more, the fact there's more love going around, the fact that communities are coming together, the fact that you know that. Um, the church is the, the only person that's knocked on my door in the last week was the church saying with a, with a piece of paper saying that if you need help ring this number and people are coming together you know I walk, we, I walk, we, went, we went for a walk yesterday and we went past the family cycling up the road and we all smiled and, and said hello that would have never happened a couple of weeks ago and actually this new new world order that's going to happen and it has to happen I think it could be a really positive thing. I think we're going to start coming together, making sure that if this was to happen again, that the the networks are there, the community's there, the relationships are there, the culture goes back to a culture where it's more about being out there and, and not being, not say introvert, but being, you know, having a community that cares for each other and is supportive and it's not all about, your social media profile it's not all about online obviously online now is the savior but it's also the curse as well it's the it's the one of the reasons why people are isolated it's one of the reasons why you know why society it, the fragility in society at the moment in terms of our so the way that we socialize in terms of the way our economy is based in terms of how we order everything online you know it's all got to change and actually some really good things might come out of this i'm, I'm just i mean it's 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 fascinating to hear how you're thinking to going on that because um, I, 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 the question I wrote down was, uh, is this going to change the model of your business that you work on? Because social media is geared up towards, um, uh, you know, media and communications is, is, is geared up in a way, uh, it, it's like a kind of projection, isn't it, of, you know, uh, you've got to, you, you've talked about this, I've seen the phrase many times, it's like your brand, you know, and you, you're looking at how you project yourself. And I wonder if the kind of the, the new model is going to be about how you form and manage relationships mm. and, and what they would be in terms of authentic relationships uh, rather than just, you know, the, the, the superficiality of how you present yourself on LinkedIn or Instagram or whatever form of media you use. Um, are we are we going to we're going to have to reeducate people to say, actually, that was pretty much, as you said, was bullshit uh, because it's it's insubstantial. And when push comes to shove, when the chips are down, when whatever phrase you want to use mm. to, to say how you know formidable the challenges are, we need to think differently. And yeah. one, one, of my, uh, <clears throat> one of my things is um, kind of two, two types of learners. And there's learners by imitation and there's learners by discovery. And imitation learning is great. I think our schools are stuffed with this. And there's a kind of sense that uh, what you do is you, you model somebody and you learn from somebody who's a great practitioner. You see this in business all the time, business uh, you know, studies all the time. You know, Find an entrepreneur that you model and emulate them and follow them. And then there's a few of us who kind of like, and I think you're a bit more like this, is like kind of you kind of go, no, well, you know, that's, that's, that's what's taught in the textbooks. I'm going to wander about and I'm going, to, uh, I'm going to discover for myself. And you make loads of mistakes and you make loads of errors and you don't get things right. 
and and at some point you meet back up with the person who's the the imitation learner and they've been you know they, they they've had an accelerated career and they've got you know got established and they sit there and say oh it's nice of you to join us join us you finally found you know found that we needed to meet at this point and you go yeah I kind of did but the challenge is is that when something changes when something else changes the person who's only learned by imitation can't adapt but the person who learned by discovery is more than able to kind of go hang on a minute everything's changed and i'm energized and i think you are as well in terms of asking the what if questions what do we do next what do we change now uh, how do we what can we draw on what do we we don't want to jettison certain things but we we not, neither do we want to carry on doing things in the same kind mm. of way uh, because there's more important things that matter what are yeah. they well, uh, so, so the question is for me is 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 in thinking of what you do is how how is this going to change the model of how you work with your clients? Is it going to be a, a complete redrawing of the process? I think I think in terms of brands and, <coughs> and and we've been on this this journey of discovery for about two years now. We've had lots of different things that have happened in our business that have had to make us think differently and work differently. And I'm a, a student. I'm a teacher and I'm a consultant in brand and brand strategy. And the core principles for brand strategy for me or brand or branding is your vision, your values and your purpose. And I all when I work with all my clients, they're one of the, some of the three things that we focus on. And most businesses don't look beyond profit. It's about making money and profit and everything else is irrelevant and what we need to be looking at now in terms of our vision, our values and our purpose is all about people. And it's all about creating a culture that supports people. And I think now we need that more than ever. We need brands to stop thinking about profit first, but it, you need to have a profit. You need to be thinking about money, because otherwise it wouldn't be a business. But you've got to be start thinking about purpose. What do you stand for, and how do you support your people? Now, I'll give you an example for this. So, when we got into the middle of last week, I started thinking, right, this this business now, my business is about survival. We've got to get through this. And it's not just about survival for me and my family. It's about survival for my suppliers. It's about survival for my clients. It's, it's important that this business keeps going because I have a lot of people around me that are looking to me to make sure that I can carry on paying their mortgages and their rent, etc., and put food in their mouths. Now, what, one of the first things I did, I said, well, we're just going to have to look at our, all our outgoings first because we, we, we kind of know that most of our clients at this point are probably not going to be paying anyone. And I understand totally why, because they're in survival mode. So I thought, well, we need to stop. We need to look at everything, all our outgoings, and just hold fire on the things that aren't important at the moment to make sure that we've got reserves. So I sent them, so I, there was a subscription that I've got with a business in the UK. I'm not going to say who they are. And I had to send them an email and say, look, I'm going to have to pause this. I'm, obviously, you understand why. I don't need to explain why. I need to pause this whilst everything is going on. And as soon as we start going back to normality, we will continue. And that's what's happening in the whole economy. The whole economy is grinding to a halt. It's not, it doesn't have to be stop and, and it just needs to be paused while we understand what's going on. Now, this company got straight back to me and went, nope, you've signed a contract, you owe, you owe this, this is what you're going to have to do. And I just looked at that email and went, this, that is not the answer now. That is not the answer. As businesses, we all need to work together. And one, one thing that every single business could be doing right now is rethinking their model. Not the business model. I don't think the business models have to change. I just think that their ethics and their philosophy needs to change. And it comes down to their vision, their values, and their purpose. What do they stand for? And the one thing that we've got to look at is people first how are we all going it's not just the people that work for you it's everyone within your brand your brand community your brand pillars your stakeholders and how we can all work together you know it's about landlords and tenants it's about suppliers and clients it's about managers and staff it's about everyone we've all got to work together because like you said with the the maslow we can't all just focus on the bottom the bottom layer of of um 
of the physical needs. We've all got to work together in all the different layers because they've all got to work together. And I, and I also agree that you could spin it round. And, and, and that's what happens is if you spin that triangle round and look at self-actualization, if you were to think about self-actualization and your business as a whole, you look at your values, you look at your vision and your purpose. And that purpose, by the way, is going to change daily because the, the world is changing daily. And I think this is a great time for all businesses to rethink what they stand for and what they're all about. Um, and I think the, the brands that will survive this are the ones that start looking about what can I do for everyone else and not what everyone's going to do for me. And I think that's the turning point. I think the, um, the, the, the kind of uh, the social economy has been talked about a lot um, in, in recent years, you know, New Economics Foundation, um, there's the Civic Society report, Julia Unwin was involved. There's, there's, there's been a, a whole string of reports um, over the last few years. You know, Nesta's produced things. It's kind of, there's a lot of thinking gone into this, but it never kind of seems more relevant than now in terms of exactly what you've just described. And there's, I think that kind of, we, we need to refocus from what I kind of, Say, it's, I mean, in a way, this is kind of this is classic Keynesian, uh, you know, uh, uh, economic modelling. In you know, Keynes was the guy who model, you know, figured out the way to get out of the depression uh, in the nineteen thirties. And in in when all of the private money stops, uh, the government and the state has to be the spender of last resort. Uh, so you can't hold. This is why it was a mistake for austerity in the 2010s uh, because the economy didn't have the demand in the economy in order to get back up to standard levels of growth. Mm. Now, there's there's issues about what we mean by growth in terms of sustainability and climate change and that kind of thing. Uh, but the, And the spread of growth has been very narrowly protecting, it's argued, a small number of people, usually in, in England, in the southeast, and property ownership in the southeast, that kind of thing. So the, the challenge is actually is hoarding. So at this time, what people do is they, your first reaction is to stockpile your resources, hold on to your cash, cut things uh, that you don't, that you can get rid of. So you lay off staff, you, you close down the factories, that kind of thing. And the job of government is to give everybody confidence and reassurance that actually life will carry on that once this is over once the initial shock of this is over that it can be sustained and that businesses can get back up and running because you've not jettisoned your client base you've not closed down your business you've not had to close down your business you're not able to lay people off that kind of thing so so the state has a really important strategic but symbolic role of being the guarantor because nobody else can play that role the markets can slush around and do different things um, and people can, but the danger is, and, and one of the arguments at the moment is people are going to say, well, how are we going to pay for all of this? There is plenty of wealth hoarded in property, in offshore accounts and in shares, uh, stock, you know, portfolios. There's plenty of wealth out there. It's not a question of where the wealth is, where the money is. It's a question at this point of how we tax that and Use that, you know, use that money that's been stored to pay for the rainy day. And over the long term, we can pay off uh, a, 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 a bit more debt. It's, it's, it's happened before. It will happen again. Uh, but we, you know, what do we need to do to be prepared for it? But I think you're right that in the meantime, against that kind of big, what they call kind of macro question, there are also the kind of the, the micro decisions that we all take. have to take some more responsibility for this ourselves. And we can't act in such a kind of selfish kind of way. So the the, the social responsibility angle comes in, uh, mm. and you know, you know, your 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 uh, engagement with your communities is not just about being on their doorstep and maybe having a, a you know, I, I don't know. You walk into Tesco's and there's a community notice board. I'm very skeptical of a lot of kind of community engagement and, and kind of, hey, we do lots of the community, you know, lots of projects. We, we organise a park run or people stand outside and have buckets. And it's like, for me, that always feels to be slightly superficial. You know, it's one of those things that people can tick off. But when you actually look at the structure underneath and you say, 
you know, where, where, how is this genuinely supported and capable of dealing with shocks and changes in the long term? You're not going to get out of this problem and you're not going to kickstart the economy again by standing outside with a bucket collecting pennies and 50p's or by doing the occasional park run. This needs big strategic thinking and it needs a change in the way that we do things. It needs devolution. It needs centralised government uh, trusting local decision makers and people being empowered to do things mm. locally. Um, there's a whole kind of raft of things. And, and the way that we think about business, I think you're right, is the kind of, because we need business. You know, I, I'm pro-business. I'm, I'm more social economy focused. I'm not necessarily private profit driven, uh, but there's nothing wrong with private profit uh, as long as it's not excessively hoarded. And as long as those people who benefit from the private profit profit don't moralize about it and think that there is something unique about who they are that they are somehow exceptional and therefore they deserve to have this wealth and benefits what you've got to do is you've got to share it around and a successful economy is one that enables everybody to participate in the economy and doesn't shut people out but we've got a narrower a narrower economic base where a smaller number of people are actually driving things a, a smaller number of people are making lots and lots of money out of it and then a larger group of people are really losing out on any access to the benefits of that so well, you, think, you yeah. can understand why people turn in on themselves in those situations yeah. well just just to unpack some of your points there I, I definitely agree that the social economy and the private or the financial business economy this virus is going to narrow that gap it will narrow that gap it, and it has to come together i think the first question that people are going to have to ask themselves is what can i do what can i personally do as a, an employee as a manager as a business owner as a ceo whoever it is what can i do and if, if we can get people saying that we're halfway there okay now in terms of the distribution of wealth that's when it gets tricky because i'm not i'm you know i'm i'm a realist in in, in business i run my own business i i own my own business i work with massive massive companies private government private you know all, all different types of businesses now some pe some businesses i work with live day by day week by week month by month and some of the businesses i work with have huge stockpiles of cash now the realist in me will say that these companies aren't just going to hand that money out it's not going to work like they're not going to hand that money out what what we what's happening now the economy as we know it does not exist and it will never ever ever exist the same way again we've got to rewrite the book okay and we've seen that this week we've seen that this week because with the government saying we're going to do this we're going to hand you this money this is what the bursaries the grants that money doesn't exist it's not a real thing and uh, it's a false economy but actually that false economy is now going to turn into the real economy the way that we look at money the way that we look at commerce and the way that the distribution of wealth moves around has to change it has to change now the only people that can decide that and how that's going to work are the people that own or have that money and they, they've got some big decisions to make now. They're going to have to understand that, you know, the, 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 the landlords that own property or people living there and, and businesses are going to have to, you know, they're going to get a lot of emails this week saying, we can't pay rent. And the, the, that, the decision they make at that point are going to be in very important decisions. I think what's going to have to happen, and this is what, how I'm living my life, I think we just need to hit pause. We just need to hit pause, get... Get this virus under under control. We need to make sure that the NHS is breathing, it's working, we do everything that we can. And whilst that's happening, I think the only thing we can do at the moment is like what me and you are doing, is just have conversations. We just need to have conversations about what it is, what's happening, and we can't get knee-jerky. The last thing that we want everyone to do is start getting knee-jerky. And, you know, I think we're all... Without being negative, I think we all know what's going to happen in the next few weeks. When food starts running, well, running low and money's running low and people start getting desperate, we, I think we can see what's going to happen. And that's going to be the worst of it, by the way. That will be the worst of it. When we come out the other side of that, 
it's going to be a, a new world order. It has to be. Well, I, th- I think the uh, this is where you need trust. You know, we've not trusted or been encouraged to trust the state for a long time. You know, and I'm not a statist. You know, I'm not. I'm a communitarian more than than. But you need the state behind communities to. It's what gives people the confidence to pause. It's the fact that there is a backup process. There's a backup system there that's in place that you can trust, and that will do the best that it can for as many people as it can. Uh, and it doesn't go blaming and fighting with other people in order to, uh, uh, you know, divert attention from its own failings. Uh, and the, the, I like that thing. I, I would change one slight thing about what you said about the question of what can I do. I'd kind of say, what can we do? Because I think one of the things that needs to change is businesses need to be more inclusive. Uh, so I've I've heard a tale this week of a, a, a friend's business, a, a friend that worked it worked uh, in a, in a Leicester based business, and they were just let go with no discussion or conversation about that. There could have been creative, viable solutions from within the team. They panicked a few days before the government announces its guarantee scheme. So there's a problem with communication from the government. And people, I read today that uh, top shops laid people off uh, and that they, that a, lot of, a lot of staff are furious they were laid off an hour before the government announced its guarantee scheme. So they, there was no need mm. to, need, as you say, for knee-jerk reactions. But you can only not react if you've got the confidence that you know somebody's got your back. And I think one of the things that is is really going to change with this is the realisation that we have to have each other's backs. And the culture of... When we talk about um, inequality in our society, I think we we have to put it in context that the likes of you and I are, are insignificant in terms of the scale of funding that we have. And companies should have assets and some companies should have backup financial support you know built into it you know cash reserves all that kind of stuff that's what makes them viable companies and to withstand shocks like this uh, it's when people go in and asset strip them so you hear tales about um american airlines uh, com- american air- 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 airline companies asking for state state handouts when shareholders have and, and managers and senior executives have been taken out massive bonuses and massive share buyback schemes and loading up companies with debt. Uh, I think there's gonna, we're going to have to get used to financial regulation again in order to say it's not just down to the individual companies that set this framework, but governments are going to have to set, step in internationally to deal with the worst, most you know, greed-ridden, uh, selfish because it's antisocial, we can no longer go back to the point because the system won't stand any more shocks. If it's just based on people taking what they can to get out of the system and asset stripping it, actually, it's re- it's. I think it's refocusing business from being seen almost exclusively as a private good to being a social good and getting back to that model that business plays a positive role uh, in nurturing and supporting strong strong communities um and we we've kind of lost a bit of that i think that's Um, that's 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 the challenge now is how do we get businesses thinking about social good how do we get do that because you know we we think about it me and you rob we do and and a lot of people in our network in our community think the way that we think um more or less um but these i think on next friday next friday Nearly well, every business in this country are going to be paying their wages, everyone's wages. Or are they, and your face explains that. Oh, are they going to pay the wages? The government have put all these grants and, and loans, everything in place. Okay, so let's think about these grants and loans. They've said that you will apply for your grant or your loan or your tax relief through your local authorities. Okay, so for us, it's Leicester City Council. Okay, it's going to be someone within Leicester City Council. Leicester City Council, the majority of workers aren't even at work. They're at home. So what we're going to be doing, ringing someone's mobile phone while they're at home and say, can I have my loan, please? Like, I'm, I'm just being a realist here. I don't want to be negative. I'm just being a realist here. But how, like, that... 
small businesses need that 10 grand now today today they need it they don't they and thing is we are and we've worked with the the council before we know how it works most businesses if i was if you were to put a gun to my head now and say when are you going to see that 10 grand it will be months until you see your 10 grand how are they going to get that 10 grand to all those small businesses in the next two weeks they're saying at the beginning of beginning of april I've tweeted about this, so this is public knowledge, but try and communicate with Leicester City Council about your council tax and making any changes. The system, it doesn't work. It's, no. it's, it's, it's really, really a rubbish... And other, other authorities might, might do it better, but Leicester, as a particular example, is really bad. So I don't know how they would cope in that situation. And that, again, comes back to we've stripped away the infrastructure that we, we really should have had in place and that we, we can't... You know, if, if we're not able to distribute that kind of cash... And there's a, there's a, an, a, I think it's called helicopter cash. You know, the, the phrase I saw was the, the guy from the Office of Budget Responsibility uh, said, you know, when, you, when your house is on fire, you, don't, you really don't worry about the cost of the water. You don't want somebody tapping you on the shoulder, something like this, tapping you on the shoulder saying, oh, you, the water meter's on when you're trying to douse out the flames. Mm. You know, you're standing there with a hose and you certainly don't worry about the mopping up until the fire's out. And that's the situation that we're in. And actually, to give credit where credit's due, I think a lot of the actions actually that the government's taken, and I never thought I'd say this, of actually, you know, they're, they're big enough and they're widespread. I'm, I'm worried about the way that uh, freelancers and self-employed people have not been included in this guarantee of 80% of wages uh, or, or earnings. Uh, and that the And the other thing is the... If you then put people, so I'm, I'm going to have to sign on because my contracts have ended, um, which I've not done for 35 years. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of developing a business as you start along and you get to the point where your savings are used up and you keep them going. But you're getting some pro, you're getting some contracts coming through on a weekly or monthly basis. They're short term, but they get you through and you get through each month and then you learn how to adapt to that and you build it up over time. I'm, I'm happy with being on that journey. You know, it's mm. it's independent, it's exciting, it's terrifying, it's all those things which every entrepreneur, every independent business goes through until you establish a routine. But everything's just stopped now. And the next stage is to alert everybody that, you know, any payments that were planned, you know, might not be met. Uh, and But to get into the system is going to be quite difficult and it's going to take time. So the, the uh, Job Seekers Allowance portal on the government website says, oh, well, we'll, you know, you'll be called in for an interview in five days. Well, I know that's been scrapped, but it's not, you know, I haven't, I haven't had a message yet to say that it's going to be progressed in a different way. How quickly can the system cope to a sudden shock and change like this? And I think there's two levels to the response. First of all, government has just got to make immediate grants to people and give everybody, if you want to use it or not, £10,000. Just give it to everybody and say, this will get you through the next two months, whatever it is, three or four months. We'll worry about paying it back later. If you want to donate it to charity because you've got an income, that's fine. But just give it to everybody just so that we get through and it gives and, it, and people can pay immediate bills. And that's why it goes back to Maslow's. Like, you need that money for your, just for the basics, for food, for heating, supplies, etc. And that, that, that's what it comes down to. And that's why I keep flowing between different levels. So if you think about on, fr- on next Friday, when everyone's waiting for their wages to pop in, what do you use your wages for? Your first thing is your mortgage or your rent. That's the first thing that's going to go out. It's your, your big thing. Then it's all your other utilities, over, utilities overheads, food, etc., etc. Now, if the government is saying there can be, there's going to be mortgage freezes, rent freezes, okay, bang, instantly, there's a chunk of your wages that's okay then then if you're thinking about other subscriptions other things hmrc taxes things and there's been a vat freeze etc all of a sudden all that money that you need next friday is shrinking then this is how businesses can survive by saying to it all their staff right if you're on 25 30 grand a year what we're going to do is for the next three months you're going to be on five grand a month or i'm sorry five grand yeah, a year whatever pay, it is something like yeah that. half pay or just on the what are the basics for people to survive because if you if you haven't got your big outgoings then everyone is on an equal playing ground every but, single person but, but the culture difference with that and this is where we then need to get into thinking about the role that our trade unions play and the kind of engagement practices that companies have 
So, you know, kind of on what model most companies are set up on a fairly autocratic basis with a kind of command and control system with the bosses at the top and everybody else does as they're told and the system's in place to execute that. Uh, but we're going to have to change that model as well. It's going to change. People, it's all it's going to be drawn into the conversation of how do we change and survive? Now, rather than just getting rid of people and say, well, we'll close it and then we'll open so open up again later, I don't think that's going to be possible. No. I think the, the, if you... The lessons that we should have learned from the 1980s is that if you close industries, however inefficient they might appear at the time, you lose them for good and you never get them back. And the challenge with this is that we close things unnecessarily and never get the capacity back. Now, some things I might be happy to see closed. If Weatherspoons goes, I'm not really bothered. You know, you know. Let's find something else for people. I to think do I would be. Have you, have, you, have you ever had a Weatherspoons breakfast, Rob? Uh, yeah, I have. That's um, got me out of a lot of trouble a lot of times, mate. Yeah. You, you know, I, I don't think I think don't think you should rush to close Weatherspoons. But you know, if that's if that's if that's the pinnacle of our, you know, what do we prioritise about what we want to save about our our values? You know, a, a Weatherspoons breakfast, a mass produced. That's what we're Mo- fighting for here, Rob. Come on, let's be honest. That's what <laughs> well, we're fighting you know, for. And, 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 you know, the guy who runs it is saying, no, no, pubs don't transmit. You know, they're not places for the transmission of uh, of coronavirus. And it's like that That that, that has to change. Do you know what? And, this- that, and, that, and that's what has to change. And, and, and most big CEOs, most capitalist CEOs say the same old bullshit. They say the same old things, and that's what has to change. Yeah. And, I, and I agree with you. We don't, we don't, we don't, we don't lose industries. We don't, we don't make redundancies. That's the last thing we need to do now. Because if you make two thousand people redundant now, well, what are you doing? You're just creating a bigger problem for everyone. I think, I think, I think it's about hitting the pause button, and I think it's about having lots of conversations. Look, as long as we've got, as everyone, everyone's got food, we've got energy, the power stations stay open, we've got fresh running water. I think for the next six weeks, I think that's all that matters, to be honest. I think obviously we've got to keep power plants going, we've got to make sure that things like that are going. But I think that's all we can do at the moment because I think trying to think how the industries are going to change about you know things like that. I think we just need to keep going and, and and that's what other countries doing and we need to kind of look at just make sure that everyone's got got food everyone's got water and i think we're going back to basics here to be yeah. honest and then when things start once we know that the virus numbers are going down and we've got things going on we can then start having proper meaningful conversations about where business is going Come through, don't worry. Oh, I, I, I'm being told my lunch is ready. So that's, that's oh, is it? Uh, okay, that's all right. Really opportune moment. Yeah. So, uh, so are we going to do this again? I think so. I think we've I think we've only scratched the surface here. And then, to be honest with you, everything we've just said is probably going to be meaningless. Um, meaningless tomorrow. Do you Speak mean? for yourself. Everything <laughs> I say is is gilded with lilies. <laughs> it's like yeah. it's like yeah. My toilet paper these days. I'm using I'm using rose petals. You know, it's. Uh, um, you used rose petals before uh, before toilet paper. Anyway, I don't need it. I just kind of zen like give off a vibe. It doesn't. You know, it, I don't. I don't. I'm not going to go down that route. <laughs> the image is too is far yeah. too uh, problematic. What's the way for anybody to get in contact with you if they want to follow up? Okay, well, there's two ways of getting in contact with me through Seed Creativity for a start. Um, through my just go through Seed Creativity through the website through my email. It's all it's on there. My other channel that I'm doing most of my media work is through Brandmaster Flash. So just search Brandmaster Flash in in any platform, YouTube, Google, podcasts, it's all there. Um, but yeah, um, probably, yeah, just through Seed Creativity or through my email. Cool. Okay, so it's for the podcast, go to decentered.co.uk uh, or Instagram or Twitter is Decentered Media. If you want to leave a donation, go to Patreon. Um, a donation would be much appreciated in these circumstances uh go to patreon search for decentered media there uh but john it's been fantastic and Cheers. we'll speak to you again soon